All my life, been grinding all my life Sacrifice, hustle paid the price Want a slice, got the roll of dice That's why, all my life, I've been grinding all my life It's time to grind! Hello everyone and welcome to the Grounded Podcast. I'm your host Randall Tucker. That was Nipsey Hussle bringing us in with his song Grinding All My Life. Let's hit that rail we call life and let's grind it. On this episode of Grinded uh, Podcast, I'm interviewing a guy that I've known for several years now. Uh, when I had one of three back surgeries, I, I couldn't work. My wife was a stay-at-home mom and we were selling anything that we could just to pay rent. And this man, along with his wife Brenda... Uh, he visited us, or they visited us, and prayed for us. But not only that, he graciously gave gave us a very generous check. Uh, he is the pastor at Partnership Christian Church, where I play on the worship team here with Donna Hawk. I did a previous interview with her a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we're located right here in Maryville on Highway 321, and his name is the awesome Mark Howard. Uh, Mark, how long have you been at Partnership Christian Church? Uh, I've been here at the church since 2007. I've actually been the pastor here since 2013. So roughly seven years. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure it's all been glamorous and, and, and wonderful. <laughs> uh, how long have you been in ministry altogether? Well, my first ministry was in 1974. So it's been yeah, a long time. I made the comment when I didn't have the microphone plugged in that I was two years old when, when <laughs> you started in your ministry. Um, have, have you always been a pastor or in the pastor role? Or Well, I was bivocational for the first 10 years of my ministry. Actually, I planned to be an engineer. At, and so when I graduated high school, I went to apply to engineering school at the University of Tennessee and found that I had n- neglected to take a course in trigonometry Primarily because I worked in a job where I knew trigonometry, I knew all the formulas by in my head. I could do it without, you know, any aids or anything. But UT wouldn't let me into engineering school unless I took a remedial course in trig. Oh wow! So I decided, well, okay, since uh, and they said you can't start engineering school till you take that. So it'd be a year before I could get into engineering school. So I decided, okay, well. I guess I'll take a year, I'll take this course, and I'll go to Bible college for a year. Four years later, I graduated from Bible college. And Did you go to Johnson? Went to Johnson University. Did you go to Johnson? Yeah, Johnson University. It was Johnson Bible College Johnson at that Bible time. Johnson Bible College right? back then. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Actually, I went twice. I went. I got my bachelor's degree there, went back and got a master's after I got a master's from UT. So oh, wow. two master's in addition to my bachelor's. Wow. So you're definitely, you're definitely not like... Um, well, uh, was it when Peter and them got arrested or whatever? Peter, was it Peter and John? And they said these are unlearned and ignorant men. That is definitely not your category. You're, you're very well educated. I am educated, <laughs> and I can prove it by my checkbook balance. <laughs> In the negative sense, In the it negative costs a lot of money to go to graduate school. Oh, I, I, absolutely. Um, why, why would you say you chose? Why did you choose to get into ministry? Did you? Did you have like, like in your sermon? Was it Sunday and you were talking about the angels? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like the shepherds and the angels in, in Bethlehem. It was more of a gradual realization that this is what God wanted me to do. It was not to be an engineer and build stuff, which I still enjoy doing, but um, 
it was just an overwhelming compulsion that God wanted me to go in this other direction. And that's how I often find um, the leading of the Lord is. It's not necessarily an audible voice. And although sometimes I think God speaks to me in my head, but um, it was more of a strong sense that I couldn't shake that God wanted me to go in a certain direction. And so that's eventually the direction I went in. Not always willingly, but you know, always eventually I chose to do what God wanted me to do. That's a good choice. Mm-hmm. And think of, especially um, being a minister for, for several years now, think of all the people that you've ministered to mm-hmm. and the lives that you've touched and the lives, well, let me rephrase that, the, the lives that God or Jesus changed or touched through you. Right. Uh, and so I want to personally say thank you for your willingness to, to be a servant of Christ. Um, a question that I didn't send you to, to kind of look at beforehand was what would you what would you tell young men or young women or men or women in general who they they feel like they have a call of God on their life mm-hmm. but they kind of procrastinate they kind of hold back maybe because of fear you know that's probably the number one factor because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people we just feel inadequate sometimes right. what advice would you give that that person who knows they have a call of God in their life, but they're hesitant. What would you say to them? You are never going to be adequate to answer the call of God. But if you're willing, God will make you adequate. He will take you through whatever process you need to go through to do what he wants you to do. Hmm, that's a great answer. You know, and, and I, immediately Moses popped in my head. Mm-hmm. He came up with excuse after excuse after excuse. Right. And At some point, you just have to be willing to follow the leading of that still small voice like the one that spoke to Elijah in the cave and do what God asks you to do. That's just the ultimate choice. Surrender your will to God's will. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Um, you'll, you'll like this question. We could be here all day, I'm sure, on this one. <laughs> <laughs> what, are some, what are some challenges or obstacles that you've had to overcome as a pastor? One of the biggest things, I think, is... Um, you know, I went to school, got my four-year degree, was ordained, um, went to a good school to train. But what you're, what you're not going to learn in a Bible college or seminary is what it actually feels like to do ministry when you're under, when you're under fire, when you're in the situation. I'm sure it's like training to go into the army. You know, they train you in combat situations, but until somebody's actually shooting at you, it's a yeah. little bit different. Yeah. And it's the same thing when it comes to ministry. I think that's the biggest thing is I've actually been in situations where I um, spent uh, two mission trips in Africa, one where I went when there was a civil war going on when I, was, when I went into the country, another one uh, when I was in Congo with my wife, civil war started. We were held at gunpoint, uh, threatened within an inch of our lives. God brought us through all of that and delivered us, brought us back home again. Um, and so, um, you know, there, you just never know what God's going to... I didn't plan to do any of that. You just go and do what God calls you to go and do. Absolutely. I knew there was a civil war going on the first time I went to the country, but God, I felt like God said go anyway, and so I went. Again, you don't know what kind of difference you make in the lives of the people in the time that I was there, but I'm sure God had a reason for it. You just do what God calls you to do. Absolutely. 
That's awesome. I was thinking um, something you said about cops who have to, you know, go through training to, to be a cop. And, and I've seen videos where they, I think they get sh uh, shot with a, a taser. Yeah. Uh, no, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I you know, and, and, and people, especially people who, uh, who, who are, I, I don't, I don't really want to say it this way, but it's the only way I know to say it. Sit in the pew. Mm -hmm. who are not behind the scenes who have never who have never really dove into a pastor's life or um uh, elders you know uh, or a deacon's um life it being a pastor is very very difficult mm -hmm. and it's very hard on on families right because like you said you 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 come under fire in so many so many different ways from the enemy the the devil i mean that's hard enough because you're in spiritual warfare with him, but then it's also sometimes, unfortunately, it comes from our very, you know, uh, what they call friendly fire. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul said when he's talking to the Ephesian elders at Miletus. He said, you're going to face two things. People are going to attack the church from outside the church. And people are going to rise up from inside the church. And the most devastating attacks that I've experienced in my ministry, the ones that are the hardest to take, are good Christian people whom you've trusted, who, you know, for some reason... Uh, you know, take some offense or mm -hmm. just choose to attack you for some reason or just all of a sudden bail and disappear and they're out of your life and, you know, you thought they were close friends. So with that in mind, what would you say to a pastor who is out there or an elder or church leader, deacon, who is who is under fire right now, who has uh, been attacked by satan or somebody in the church or whatever somebody's taking something wrong way out of context of what he said they heard what they thought they heard mm -hmm. uh, but they're under fire they're discouraged ready to throw in the towel give up mm -hmm. what what would you say to that that church leader who is in that situation now first of all i would say you need to focus on where your source is and that source is god you Amen. need to go to him with your with your problems, your difficulties, your complaints. God is big enough to take it. Just let him have it. Absolutely. You know, let him be honest with God about where you are and ask for his help. God tends to open up a way for, and you'll get through things that you never imagined. The problem is if you give up and God still has a call on your life, you may have to go through all that again to get back where you were. So just hang in there. Hang in because there. Because God's not giving up on you. Don't give up on God. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's some great advice. And I think, of you know, uh, I believe you shared it in a sermon a few weeks ago about what Paul went through. And he gives us a list there in Second Corinthians. And, and just, I mean, that guy was, tr I mean, people chased him around and wanted to kill him constantly. Yeah. And, you know, even, you know, if he was talking about himself, then, he, you know, you know when, you're in a, when you're in a difficult situation, imagine Paul and Silas there in the jail at Philippi, beaten to with an inch of their life, mm. put in stocks, in the inner prison, and at midnight they're singing praises to God. That's awesome. That's, that's, that's pretty impressive. Because they knew where their source was. They knew was. where the source was. It was mm -hmm. God. And... You're never going to be, your circumstances are never going to measure up to your expectations. That's true. But God will always measure up to your expectations. That's a wise statement. Very wise. 
let me ask you this, and after we answer, uh, after you answer this one, we'll we'll take a, a quick break. Okay. Um, what do you do to keep your passion? Like, what keeps you motivated to keep doing ministry? I think my time spent preparing for the message that I do on Sunday morning and the teaching I do on Wednesday night, spending time in God's Word, because that's my calling. That's what. That's where I feel like that I'm doing what God called me to do when I'm doing that sort of thing. There are a lot of things that I do outside. In addition, I mean, you know, I go to the gym regularly and work out because I have a lot of health problems. And if I don't do that, I'm not going to be able to do what God called me to do. Um, try to spend time with my wife. Try to keep some projects going. To, uh, one of my favorite projects is my garden. Uh, every year I plant a garden. It's a lot of work. And it's a lot of work. <laughs> but that's where a lot of my meditation takes place in the garden. Because I can go out there and work in the garden and God and I can have heart-to-heart talks. And he often speaks to me when I'm in the garden. Mm-hmm. So Now, when I was in New Mexico at the church there, we had a pastor... Uh, his place was in the shower. God always spoke to Dan in the shower. <laughs> if Dan ever came in and said, you know, I was in the shower this morning, I felt God saying something, you needed to listen because that's where God spoke to Dan was in the shower. Something about that one-on-one time, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's just you have to learn where the best place, where God's called you to speak to you. And you have to regularly be willing to go to that place to listen to what God has to say. And it can be anywhere God wants it to be because you're a unique person. Think about the fact that, you know, Zechariah, on the birth of Jesus, he got an, he got an angel. Mary got an angel. Joseph only got a dream. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Joseph complained about that. God, why didn't I get an angel? The next thing you know, Joseph gets an angel mm-hmm. in a dream. God always spoke to Joseph in a dream no other way. And so accept what God has for you and just run with it. So you're saying then when Jesus said to go into your closet and pray, mm-hmm. your closet your closet is your garden. Yeah. Dan, I think you said his Dan name is. Dan's a shower. Dan's is a shower. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, we will return in just a minute. Let's take a break. There's not a whole lot on my body that's not... Skadak. Just toast. Dink, dank, skadak, biff, banked. You name it, it's on there. As we come back from the break, I, before we get into uh, uh, another question, I do want to mention one thing about your wife being so awesome, uh, Miss Brenda. Like I said, you, you two are uh, are praying people. You, you pray for a lot of people. You're caring people. And one of the things that, that she does is she buys the worship team breakfast every Sunday. And I just want to mention her and, and, and thank her uh, for that just and give her the recognition that she deserves. Because there, there's so many things there's so many things going on at this church that people are totally unaware of. And um, so... That I'll, and she's put up with me for 44 years. So yes. That's, that's pretty yes. impressive. And, 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 I, you know, and I forgot to ask you about your family um, when we got started. But how many you have daughter? You have all daughters. Four right? daughters. Yeah. Four daughters. Actually, the oldest who is here with her family, um, our second daughter Rachel and her husband are missionaries in Buenos Aires. They um, are opening human trafficking shelters for victims of human trafficking That's in awesome. Buenos Aires, ministering to them. I have another daughter that lives in Oklahoma who is an accountant, and then. Our fourth daughter, who just got married, lives and still lives in New Mexico, where we spent 13 years, and uh, she just recently got married. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of estrogen to have to grow up with. <laughs> you learn a lot of patience in that situation, I think. I don't know how well I've learned that lesson, but uh, yeah, it's different. Well, we love Miss Brenda. She's awesome. Um, our goal at Grinded is to encourage people and to motivate people who are struggling because they've been hit hard by some life challenges. Uh, you know, they, you know, the mountaintops come, mountaintops go. The valleys come and valleys go. Um, as a pastor and being in ministry for a while, I'm sure you've seen and heard a lot of things, right? Um, but one thing I like to say that everyone has a story. Will you please share your story with with the grounded audience? Um, what are some life challenges that you faced uh, personally, and how did you overcome them? Well, in 1994, Brenda and I moved from, um, we were in Texas for a year at a small church there. We met some people from a church in Los Lunas, which is now Grace Fellowship. We moved there in 94, and that's um, where, in 96 and 98, we went on our trips to overseas um, in Congo, which is where we had some very interesting experiences. But even that's not the most difficult thing for me. The most difficult was the issue of my health that developed around the year 2000. And in the meantime, I was under tremendous stress in ministry. The, my co-pastor, he was senior pastor, I was executive pastor. Um, he um, was accused of having an affair with one of our elders' wives. Uh, there was pretty substantial in, in evidence that something inappropriate was going on, and the elders uh, decided ultimately that um, they just needed to try to invite him to find something else, and they would try to bless it. Well, he decided to take a third of the church and go start a rival church across town, mm. and in the midst of that, I was having horrendous health issues. I just, there were times I felt like I was on 10 cups of coffee, and other times I felt like I was going to pass out. I didn't know what was going on, and it took uh, a year before I was ultimately di diagnosed with extreme hyperthyroidism. And um, what had happened was I had developed cysts or nodules in my thyroid, and rather than growing out it would normal, it had grown down into my chest. So I had hundreds of cysts, and these cysts were calling, causing my thyroid to overproduce to the point where my thyroid levels were just off the scale. Wow. So, you know, I was dealing with that issue, plus trying to manage the stress of bringing a church through a significant crisis. And um, it was right at that time as well that my uh, father-in-law, Bill, who's a great Christian man, had a heart attack and died on the way to the hospital. And um, it, it was just, you know, overwhelming, an overwhelming experience. And especially since I didn't really know what was going on, I thought I was going crazy. I was having suicidal thoughts. I couldn't sleep. I, you know, it was just, I just had no clue what was going on. And my family, you know, loving family, they're all realizing that, man, this guy's in, in really rough shape. Well, I finally um, found an endocrinologist who was able to sort out what the problem was going on. And so for the next four years, I tried to continue doing what I was doing while we watched this condition and every now and then they'd go in and take ultrasounds of my thyroid and they'd do needle biopsies. That's really fun for your, on your neck going in and doing those sorts of things. And finally he in uh, 2004 uh, or 2005 
he said, uh, you know, these cysts that you've got are changing odd shapes. That usually means something bad's going to happen, like cancer. Right. He said, we need to deal with this so we can either, you know, kill your thyroid with radioactive iodine, or we can go in and take your thyroid out. And I'm thinking, I'm not sure that I want to fill myself full of radioactive iodine. That didn't <laughs> seem like a good plan to me. So I told him, well, let's just take this thing out and slice it and dice it and do what yeah. we have to do. So I had uh, th thyroid surgery in 2005, and I went from feeling like I was on 10 cups of coffee all day. Once my thyroid was removed, I just felt like a pet rock. I had no energy, no motivation. I mean, my whole, the thyroid's kind of the thermostat of your body, so mine went from being like 120 down to being 40. Right. It just, that was just kind of the switch. And so um, for two years um, after that, I struggled on trying to lead the church, but I felt like my health was spiraling down. And um, I realized that, you know, if I continued to do what, what I was doing, I was afraid the church was going to spiral down as well. And so I went to the elders and I told them, you know, I think I just need to retire because I just don't. I just don't have any energy. I don't have any drive. I, I just can't continue to do this. And I feel like that I'm dragging the church down. And so they didn't feel that way, but they graciously agreed to help me. And um, so Brenda and I made the decision we'd move back here to Tennessee to be with my parents uh, because I wanted, uh, Brenda had lost both of her parents and I didn't, my parent, my mother's in bad health, and I wanted to move back here and spend time with them. But then, after we moved, after we moved back here, um, God began to heal me of the whole thyroid issue. After several years, I started being able to work. Um, actually, started working with my brother. My brother-in-law was working with a company not far away. Uh, national company, distribution company, and he said, hey, can you come down and help us one day a week? <laughs> well, I went down, one, I thought, well, I can do one day a week. Right. Well, then that turned into two, and then three, and then five, and then I was on the road, and the last year I worked for them, I spent 200 nights away from home on the road, and I was in charge of the opening new showrooms, show bills, all the equipment and stuff wow. related to that, going in setting up shows in New York, in Atlanta, and just all over the place. And that's when God began to speak to me and said, uh, hey, what do you think about going back into ministry? And I was thinking, well... You know? It's like the Macedonian call. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I might actually be able to do that now. And that's when uh, here at Partnership, I was uh, one of the elders here at that time, although I wasn't here an awful lot. Uh, we lost our youth minister, senior minister, and our senior minister, our youth minister, senior minister, and worship minister all in within three months of each other. Wow. And the elders asked me if I would come back on and try to get the church back to a, to a healthy place again. And so, um, you know, after, well, from 2007, to after six years, um, I felt like that, you know, God had healed me and put me back in a position where I could do something for him again. And the experience here has been very good. We built a really good team. We have a good team of people. Uh, we don't have a lot of problems here in the church. Um, 
have outreaches that are going on. There's a lot of ministry that happens here. And so it's been a really good experience for me. Yeah. Oh, with uh, COVID's been, on the, you know, that's been some challenges, kind of. Yeah, that's been a There's some thing. hiccups in all thing. churches. All yeah. churches are having to deal with that. So, but we, uh, I definitely agree. We we, uh, we have a, a great group of elders. We've added what two, three, or three. We've added two in the last year, and actually, um, this Sunday, we're at, we're announcing two more elder candidates. Um, oh, we've wow. also brought on the first group of deacons that the church has had, at least since I've been here. So. Um, you know, we made some significant, significant steps in leadership in that regard. Yeah, and um, we um, got a great. I'm not. I'm not just saying this because I'm on the team. <laughs> 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 we have a uh, we have a lot of talented individuals uh, on, on the worship team. This is what I, I told Donna when I was interviewing Donna. I said. Um, I said the worship team is like a our our church service is like a going to a Mexican restaurant. Mm-hmm. The worship team is the chips and dip and the salsa. You know how they serve you the chips and the, and oh, yeah. the, and the salsa, and then, and then you come on and, and you're the you're the enchilada, the taco, the you know the, you're the main course, and then Josh comes on the scene and he he's the dessert, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and then we then we wrap it up and and, and move on out. Um, but since since you've been pastoring here, you you, you said you, you moved here to be with your parents. You lost your mom and your dad, correct? Yeah, I lost them within about a year and a half of each other. And mother wound up in the nursing home. She had uh, Parkinson's disease, and uh, dad got to the point where he couldn't care for her anymore. So she wound up in nursing home for four years and passed away there. And then dad had a blood disorder. Um, he was a pediatrician here in Maryville for 50 years. And he knew retired. everybody. Yeah, he, he knew everybody. But he had a, a blood disease that um, in the end he came down with an infection and because of his blood disease he just, three months and you know he went from playing, at 92 years old he was still playing the piano and leading communion meditations at the church. And he went from that and he was gone within three months. So he was at First Christian. First correct? Christian. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember seeing him there when I visited there some, um, when uh, with Gary being the preacher there, um, and also when I was the bread man, he shopped at Kroger a lot. Oh yeah, he was always <laughs> I would see him at Kroger several times. He was a great Christian man though, and I had kind of the privilege to have him in my life. But I do miss him. I mean, I miss mother. But after four years of being in a nursing home and watching her decline, her it's passing tough. was actually more of a blessing she wasn't suffering anymore yeah but dad just seemed like he got came became sick and was gone just you know it, in a heartbeat right you just never know <clears throat> how how would you say um the the things that you have been challenged with in life the the health problems because that, that actually came on while you were in ministry but how how would you say that some of the challenges that you faced that maybe you haven't mentioned to us how how have those challenges prepared you for ministry or how has it helped you in ministry learning how to work through difficult and uncomfortable situations um, fosters <clears throat> i think at least if you handle it correctly fosters a real dependence on god you recognize that 
you know, <clears throat> there are a lot of wonderful people in life. We've got a lot of wonderful people in this church. When it all boils down to it, for instance, when Brenda and I were on kneeling on the floor of the American Embassy compound in Kinshasa with a guy pointing an AK-47 three inches from my forehead screaming at me in a language I couldn't understand, at that mm. moment you realize there is nothing that anybody can do to help me. America cannot help me. I'm in their embassy and this is happening. Right. But God is still in control and still in charge. And God brought me through all of that. So that's my over, you know, my, my hope is that God is always there and he'll always, he has always brought me through, through, you know, these health issues, through life-threatening situations. Um, and I just always come back to that. There are times when I get uncomfortable and I want to stop or quit or do something else. And God just kind of takes me over in the corner and pats me on the back and says, <laughs> now, son, here, you know, we're not done yet. We've got more things to do. And after a little while, I come around and, you know, we go do what God wants to do. Um, but it's always an adventure following God. Yeah. And you may wind up, um, you may wind up in situations and doing things you could never have imagined. Um, but God is faithful. He provides. It, it, it just seems like the, the the few interviews that I've done so far, and I'm also I'm also on the podcast. I'm breaking down John, the Book of John, mm -hmm. the Gospel mm -hmm. of John, and that's it, just a thing that I see over and over again. Hearing these the people talking, the interviews and stuff is, you know, we think we're in control and right. we try to be in control, but it 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 just something come along so quick to, it, it humbles us and teaches us really fast that we're not in control <laughs> like we thought we were. And, and you know, one of the temptations, Randy, that people face, and probably some of the listeners have faced it, you know, if you've gone through any type of serious issue in your life, whether it be life-threatening illness or divorce or an addiction issue or whatever it is, um, loss, loss of family members, loss of job, loss of income, um, it, it's um, one of the great things that Satan is good at is tempting people to be angry with God. That I like to put it the way that Walter Matthau did in the movie Dennis the Menace. Uh, <laughs> if you ever get a chance, watch that movie. It's a great movie. But um, in that movie, he has one line that has stuck with me all my life. He says, a tragedy of this magnitude has got to be somebody's fault. And... <laughs> That's the way a lot of people look at their life as far as God is concerned. If things don't go the way they want, then God's got to be, got, they've got to have somebody to blame. Right. But you know, at some point, you have to move on past that and realize God's not against you. God's not causing all of these things in your life because he wants to see you squirm. He takes no pleasure in that. If God's allowing any difficulty in your life, it's because he's giving you an opportunity to turn to him. He wants you to turn to him. And once you learn that lesson and you begin to get the focus, oh, things are going bad. Yeah, okay, if you're mad at God, go to God and tell him, to get it out of your system. Right. He's big enough to take it. Right. But then listen to him when he says, you know, I love you. Walk with me and we'll, we'll work through this together. He always does. That's powerful stuff right there. All right, I'm going to uh, end the podcast by asking you, if you would, to um, pray for our listeners okay. who are who are struggling, going through life uh, difficulties, 
who maybe have a calling on their life and they're hesitant. Uh, but if you would, just uh, lift up our listeners in, uh, in prayer. Well, Lord Randy and I come before you here today, and Lord, I know that there are people out there who are struggling. And Lord, I pray that um, you will, through the power of your Holy Spirit, fuel the seed of hope that is within them. Lord, if they have claimed Jesus as their Lord and Savior, there is hope for them. And if they've not, Jesus is waiting there right around the corner. Lord, I pray that they would reach out, would find him, or they'd begin to look at the pages of the New Testament, look at the gospel messages. They would come to know Jesus because that's where the hope comes from. So, Lord, I pray that you would bless them. Lord, if there's if there are those who are wrestling with the decision about what to do, should they follow God? Should they follow you down this path? Lord, I pray that you would give them the courage to be able to make the decision to trust you. Lord, that's what it's really all about, is trusting you, about surrendering our will for your will. And Lord, when, I, when I've done that in my life, I have found that you always have something better than I even imagined. Lord, I pray that they will find that better thing for their life that they will be encouraged to step out and trust you. Lord, if they're going through loss, give them comfort and give them peace. Help them to understand that this loss is not going to define the rest of their life unless they choose to let it define them. That you have healing. There is healing power through Jesus Christ. Lord, apply that healing power to them and give them strength. Lord, demonstrate yourself to be very real to those who are listening to this podcast. Help them to see that there is hope. Help them to see, Lord, that you love and care for them. Bless them, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Mark, for your time, and God bless you. You're welcome. Thanks, Randy, for the opportunity. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Grind It Podcast today. You can send any questions or comments to grinditpodcast at gmail.com. Please join us next time, and when a challenge comes your way, just grind it. Been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Wanna slice, got to roll the dice. That's why all my life I've been grinding all my life. Look.